0: Oh, um. Welcome to The Naked Podcaster, I'm your host, Jen Taylor. A huge shout out and thank you to NGBN TV for sponsoring this video podcast episode. In today's episode, we hear from Erin Keem, a woman from New Zealand, now in Seattle. She grew up with a then undiagnosed bipolar disorder. She was always trying to avoid depression, compulsion, and had a chaotic work experience. She realized after her diagnosis that she loved and had been involved in fashion and launched an amazing style branding business that ignites her passion, and she found love at the age of 48. Welcome to the Naked Podcaster. Today I have Erin Keem, and Erin Keem happens to be one of my favorite people ever. My sister from another mister. I love you. How are you today? I'm wonderful. And you know what, getting ready
1: for this podcast was the easiest I've ever done. For one thing, I didn't rehearse anything. I didn't prepare anything. I knew all I had to do was just show up and respond in the moment as, you know, depending on how I was feeling. And I didn't have to get dressed. I mean, I'm a stylist, right? I'm a style consultant. I'm an image consultant. I'm a brand consultant. All I had to do was get undressed, so that's my favorite this, part. Yeah, this—I mean, the only thing I've got on is—is is a necklace and the heater. And if uh, I have to fiddle with the heater, I'll let you know because I get hot and cold. Yeah, amen. Welcome am to in, well, being fifty. You know, fifty-two. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, and you're one of my favorite people. Um, you're one of my favorite clients. I had the honor and privilege of working with you, which is going to sound crazy because you are the naked podcaster, and uh. yet I've been helping you
0: with clothing. Uh, yeah, or lack thereof, or I just, or, you know, or, and, you know, you showed up naked, and you are the happywardrobe.com. I want to, and you live in Seattle, correct? I do. I'm from New Zealand.
1: I moved to America full-time. I say full-time as, and I officially moved all my stuff over June of 14th. So what I brought with me was a couple of paintings, uh, two really full suitcases, and a few boxes and i've been here ever since and i yeah i'm i'm very much hoping i'll get approval for citizenship
0: yeah that would also be an
1: honor and a privilege
0: oh how great i know it's hard to get citizenship or dual residency in new zealand so that's that's a tough one apparently a lot of people want to move there at the moment so <laughs> you know i remember having this conversation probably 10 years ago i was working for a woman who she and her husband were applying for it and even with the acceptance and the work you go through and getting dual residency you're still only allowed to say stay at like three months at a time twice a year i mean it was it's very specific so even pre-pandemic it was a pain i can't even imagine let's jump in and talk about the happy wardrobe.com and and yes i am a client even though i'm naked and god i love your website but i love what you do and that's why i hired you to do it so jump in and let's talk everything about the happy wardrobe Uh, thank you for the opportunity uh
1: I am Erin Keen from the happy and I hope you can hear me. I want American teeth, so I've got aligners in. So I'm practicing with them and it actually feels more weird when I don't have them in. So this is me for the next 18 to 24 months so i have a background in um, self-development recovery sales marketing customer service customer facing uh, analyzing customer research and getting dressed i mean i have loved clothes for you know over half a century and i was in hawaii which is one of my happy places and it was a tropical rainstorm it was thundering down outside i still remember it was one of the best holidays i had because all my husband and i could do was eat sleep read and we really needed the break him especially and i kind of sat up and went you know the eureka moment because i realized i could combine everything from my experience as a realtor to uh to, to i mean've i've had a variety of careers because every time i've been interested in something i've found out about it i've been curious i've always had curiosity and i thought oh my god i can completely and utterly combine my love of clothing with the psychology awareness i have with the tools that i have for helping people transform helping them uh, raise old patterns helping them move forward with their lives towards their goals with with my uh, ability as as uh, the customer experience and actually attracting clients and sales
0: and marketing and the happy wardrobe was born yeah and it's so fantastic so on your on your work with me page first of all you do a free 30 minute consultation so anyone Mm -hmm. can get that free consultation and then you have the style statement or the happy wardrobe method which is the one that I did it was the much more in-depth and I honestly I was super excited about doing this with you but I am one, a minimalist, so I don't have a big closet. So that was easier to go through, right? Um, but also I thought I had myself pretty dialed in and uh, <laughs> that was not true. So, I mean, even when you feel like you pretty much got it all together, I didn't realize what I was lacking and the things that I was felt hesitancy about in my wardrobe, I I just let go. You were like, why are you keeping it? And I'm like, eh, and it was gone. So, um, it did actually a tremendous amount to for me and i have my list of things that i'm starting to get now um it was huge and it was like two three hour sessions and i was like oh my gosh that's like we're never we're never gonna go through two three. Oh my gosh we could have done like two five hour sessions probably it was nuts it was so in depth so Take us through the two different programs, because obviously I only know about one, and I did the big one. Um, I would highly recommend that, but take us through the, the differences in what you do. So I always recommend we start off with a Kyoto call.
1: If you're at a stage where you want to move forward with your life and you know that style will help you get there, maybe you need to up level, maybe you're relaunching, maybe you're pivoting. I work a lot with women entrepreneurs, especially solopreneurs, which can be very lonely uh, with all the emotional ups and downs. And we forget to be objective and we're so busy growing our business, we don't realize how much our style, our background, our image, impacts our ability to attract clients and earn money i want all women to make a shitload of money and your style is a step towards that so i always start off with the discovery call to clarify if i can be a service and if not i'll point you in another direction and i'll send you away with a couple of action steps immediately mm-hmm. and if that's as far as we go that is wonderful um really really glad to have connected i love women love talking to women if we decide to move forward the next step is i always start with the style statement and i'm going to be phasing that out in the terms of that i'm not going to offer that as a standalone anymore because it doesn't do my clients justice what it does is it's an in-depth dive to your unique style and we explore beloved items i don't even look at clothes you know you've been through this i will take you around your environment your home environment. We mm-hmm. will discuss shared experiences, memories, and feelings you have about items in your home, and from that, I find the patterns and the themes that you're probably not able to see because, you know, it, it's like when we look in the mirror, we just can't be objective. When a friend goes shopping with us, they can't be objective. Right. So right. I'm able as a what do they call it? As a deep listener, to to feed you back the themes and the patterns I thought thaw- saw. Oh, this is so funny. I feel like I've got like a lisp. And then after that, what we do is we create an umbrella style statement. And that style statement is completely unique to you. And you can take that to your wardrobe, your home, your business. I've had clients redecorate their homes. I've had clients change their website name. I've had clients overhaul their website. I've had clients overhaul their wardrobe. I've had clients overhaul their relationships. And the statements are unique to you and they mean something to you. If you said them to somebody else, they'd be like, huh? Like a highly accomplished fairy godmother, inspirational badass, artisan mermaid, uh, simplicity and story. But to the person whose style statement it is, they deeply, deeply resonate and they know what they mean. And because I've spent the 90 minutes with them or up to two hours with them, I know them so well that when Mm -hmm. we do go to their wardrobe, we can both look at the wardrobe and they can see through my eyes yeah they can hold the concept up against their wardrobe and go that's not me that is me that's not me that's not me because they have clarity such a clear vision and then I teach uh, my women clients how to be their own stylist you and I still have some steps to go on that which I'm looking forward to but I will take uh, my clients through a step-by-step process so they can become their own stylists, which makes it quick and easy to get dressed how to curate create their own boutique how to combine combinations what colors go with what what the color of their skin tone is what they need in order to complete a wardrobe if they want to capture wardrobe uh how do they what ideal life do they want what's the wardrobe for that ideal life what clothing obstacles are standing between them and their ideal business and step by step until i was with a client yesterday and she said i don't know what to look for and i said but you will Yeah. Uh, So so what I did was I went on Nordstrom Rack, just as an example. I hearted and put in her cart multiple items, and I said, tomorrow, this is is what we're going to do today, I'm going to take her through and explain why I chose those items. Show her the patterns, show her what to look for, then she won't need me, she'll be able to shop without me. I want to set my clients free,
0: free, free like little style birds i actually loved that when we went through you had a you had some suggestions that i would have never thought of you had some suggestions um like when you looked at my wardrobe and my home as a whole you were like you don't have a burgundy pencil skirt i just turned my heat up too and my chair keeps hitting you my, knew what i was doing I, yeah, yeah I and, ju- the, and the thing happened. is uh, sorry yeah. to
1: overtalk, but burgundy looks great on you. It's a color you really love. You've got legs for days. I mean, those of you who can't see, le- uh, Jen, who legs come up to here?
0: I have a 33-inch inseam,
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, you so. have the most stunning, I mean, you, you're, all women are beautiful, but your legs come to here. Right,
0: right. I'm five right. foot
1: two, so I, I'm not exaggerating. And a pencil skirt would look amazing on you, especially when you're on stage, and you didn't have hardly anything in burgundy.
0: I, I, right. And so you you recommended things like that. And then <laughs> I remember you were like, you literally own two pairs of jeans. What's the matter with you? And I I didn't have white jeans of any kind uh, or shorts. And um, it's something that I always wanted that I was a little nervous about. And you were like, you need to do that right and so there were things that i was always kind of drawn to but a little uncomfortable with because i wasn't sure and that was done and then there were things that you were like you have these massive gaps and you need to get rid of this stuff and you have these massive gaps so when i was like oh i that's true i do and so i would have never it definitely took um that unbiased look at the outside our conversation about my favorite painting in my living room came. I mean, like that was connected and I would have never connected that part. So for people who are like, what, just go with it, just go with it. It's going to make sense. (laughs) Like, just go with it.
1: And I also. should put that
0: on my website. Just just go go with it. it. Just go with it. It's like, why does that painting, you know, and I told you we wanted to replace our living room furniture and I have a much more clear idea of what that looks like for my style statement. I wasn't expecting any help with my living my couch you know but I was like I know we're moving I know we're buying a house I'm not buying living room furniture so I know what the living room looks like but I know we're going to redo this and it was so interesting how that was dialed in so beautifully after we talked about my burgundy skirt you helped me with my couch like just go with it people that's all I'm telling you This is the best testimonial ever. I know, I know. You know, I looked at the testimonials on your website. I need to get one on there. So, but it's true. You, you are looking at not the shirts that I have. That's not even, that wasn't even our first meeting. Our first meeting was all about the house and, and coming up with, you know, what were the words that described my style? And, and after that, we looked at clothes. I mean, that was so great. It was just so great and so unexpected and so much more in depth. Thank you. The challenge, uh, a lot of people will, or uh, well, some people will go to something
1: like a, a box that comes that arrives with clothing for you, and that that's great. Uh, or there are you can you can get a shopper; he'll go shopping for you. And I do right. make that, I do do that as part of my process. But unless you really understand your client, I get to, I have the, the 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 joy of getting to really know my clients, so I can find something when I'm out and about and go. That's Jen. that's Uh, Clara or that's Michelle or that's Melissa because I know them
0: and their lifestyles so well yeah yeah well so I got married recently uh (laughs) I I know I know we're we're recording on October 2nd and I got married September 19th and um this necklace arrived from you for my wedding and it hasn't come off since because I loved it aside you know I'll only buy things or I only want things, things are in my cart that I, um, not for that one event. I mean, there's a couple dresses, you know, that I have for very specific whatever, and my Chanel shoes, for example, that are not every day all the time, but for the most part, 99% of my wardrobe, yes, I can use it for that event, but I can also use it because that's my, my mentality. And so that was my wedding present from you.
1: Congratulations. The wedding photos were beautiful, and uh, the story behind your
0: wedding made me cry. It was so special. Also, I was sending you, this is aside from the style statement, the whole process we, we went through, you're very available to your clients afterwards. And this is so great because usually I don't have coaching with the person that I have on my podcast where I can really express to other people what it's like, but in this case, I've gone through your whole process for the most part. You're very available, so I was messaging you wedding dress and shoe pictures um, through the whole process. And because we had done this with my normal everyday life, it was so much easier for me to know exactly what I was looking for for a special occasion. So that was really, I know
1: I'm just talking up. Yeah. Just hi, I, I love it. Um, I that That is a wonderful validation and you're right because we'd honed in so clearly. I mean, I was thinking this woman's doing my job for me. You were like, yeah. I found the dress, I found the shoes. This is the necklace <laughs> I want. And I was like, either she doesn't need me or I've done my job really, yeah. really well. You know, go, go free grasshopper. You know, I've, I've obviously done something right here because that, that's just it. I, I want to teach you. You What is that whole teach a woman to fish?
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. And you, she feeds herself for life, right? That's It exactly. is that same thing. No, there were there were several times where you were like, no, don't go in that direction. <laughs> um, so it's not like I just nailed it out of the gate. But I had a much – well, the, with the wedding dress, that was actually pretty okay. But there have been other things. I'm like, what are your thoughts on? You're like, absolutely not. Like, I can't even get the it out of my mouth before you're like – do not do not go that direction (laughs) I think one time you were like you're not 20 and you don't live in sweatpants and I was like okay point taken so there you go like you You have the legs of a 20 year old
1: (laughs) you know and and I do have the old Sesame Street t-shirt but I have a client right now who um, is only 52 which sounds ancient I'm sure to your children but she's dressing like a 70 year old and um, we need to readjust that uh, because she needs to be dressing for the age she is and then she had yeah. a couple of pieces where i was like no 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 Put, take those back to Supre. that is i mean sorry you don't have Supre. you have forever oh, yeah, yeah.
0: 21. Take, take those back to forever 21. <laughs> yeah yeah Okay, so that is awesome, and people have to understand, like, it'll change your sheets and your couch, not just your wardrobe, but also give you, you give great suggestions to people, Um, like, you gave me several suggestions about public speaking, which I was looking at uh, what my style was and how I should show up, but you went way outside of the box because you found out I had a guitar, but I hadn't had guitar lessons. And you're like, oh, you should be playing your guitar on stage naked with the guitar covering you when you public speak. And I was like, wow, that was unexpected. So you really plant a lot of seeds also. Um, yeah, as far as that goes. So just be, uh, just be prepared when you hire Aaron that um, it's you're going to be taken on this wild ride of many different options.
1: You'll also get your Zoom background uh, reviewed, whether you want it or not, <laughs> and you'll probably end up with me interfering with your dating photos and, <laughs> and your website. <laughs> one Perfect. one client, I went through all her YouTube videos, and uh, we talked about, you know, wish her mannerisms and wish I, I have a I also have a theatre background, so yeah. one of the yeah. joys of thirty five different careers. Thank you so much for the kind things you have said. Uh, I would also like to point out you have an incredible singing voice. So if you oh. haven't followed that up, I realize you've been busy getting married. I want you to call me next week and tell me you've booked in some studio time, okay?
0: Yes, let's see. I'm telling you. Aaron's going to get all up in your business. So I want I want people to check out the Happy Wardrobe Dot com and everything you do, because it's so much bigger than what you think it's going to be. And now I want to jump in and go back in time. Oh, you already mentioned that you were born in New Zealand. And so let's, and that you're 52. So were you born in 68? 67. I'm 53 okay. this year. Okay. So I, I turned 50 this year. So when's your birthday? October. You are so much younger than I am. So much. Yeah. Okay, so you were born in 67 in New Zealand. So that's what we can start there.
1: Yeah, I was talking to a younger friend of mine the other day who was who uh, was talking about some of the misinformation around COVID and she mentioned AIDS and some of the misinformation around AIDS. Mm. And it pushed a button for me because uh, she's 30 something and she doesn't remember what it was like for people who were gay in the 70s and the 80s Uh, and i didn't have that experience but my first uh when i went flatting for the first time which is new zealand is when you move out of home and i moved out of home at 18 because i wanted i wanted to move out as soon as i could my first flatmates were gay and it was a very different world in the late 80s uh, right. to be a gay man or woman, especially in Auckland. Auckland thinks of itself as being a, a big city, but okay. of course it's tiny compared to other cities around the world. It's the largest city in New Zealand. Uh, we have around 4 million people now. Uh, don't quote me on that, I'm not up to date. And uh, most of them do tend to live in Auckland. Uh, I haven't lived there for a little while, as you know, but Um, This is apropos of nothing, but growing up in the, you know, being born in the 60s, growing up in the 70s, being a teenager in the 80s, which was a huge amount of fun, by the way, uh, and then experiencing that, it's it's a different experience than it is being, you know, for people who are going through COVID now, I, I have very, I have a very sheltered view of COVID, which is what's happening right now i have a very sheltered view of what's going on with politics and uh, awareness and black lives matter because i wasn't born here i didn't grow up here i was explaining to i have the privilege of being married to a man who has two daughters who are adults and i was explaining to one that i can't see things through her eyes um i was not born here i didn't grow up here new zealand is a completely different experience i can only i can only share my own experience strength and hope so that's apropos of nothing but that's just something that came up the other day a lot of my friends were gay i had friends that were in the sex industry and uh so as opposed to so so yeah i i have perhaps different experiences that she has again that's going completely off topic so i was brought up in the suburbs in a a suburb called glenfield which was one of those nappy valleys which means that it was a new development where it was full of parents with small children Um, lots of bush around which uh, I guess you call forest so uh, you know the section next door was empty Um, I could I love being alone I'm an introvert so I'd wander down and sit under a tree or sit by a stream and just just think and be Uh, it felt like our house was crowded and noisy we had a small house um, and my grandmother lived with us and there was three of us children and my parents and it was small and it felt overwhelming I didn't feel like I had any privacy or any space um, for a variety of reasons. So I'd go sit on the roof. It was uh, where I would just get some time alone or I'd go and wander down the bush and just sit in the bush, which is probably not the best thing for a small girl to do these days. I was told I was oversensitive, highly strung, over emotional. Uh, in reality, I was trying to process what was going around going around me, which I which was quite a, it was a very chaotic situation um, I was highly intelligent which doesn't always help because I could read you, when you grow up in a chaotic environment uh, you become very adept or I became very adept at reading micro expressions yeah. and being reacting and my first thought was always how do I control the situation to avoid repercussions how do I please people how do I entertain them how do I distract them how do I keep them smiling Uh, how do I manipulate in a way that keeps me approved of, because approval was very important. Um, The message I internalized was that other people's feelings were more important than mine, that I needed to be accepted, approved, um, that I need to be damped down, that I needed to be managed, uh, that, um, and I remember for years, you know, people would say things like, just be yourself. And it was like, well, which one? Mm. Now I know to, under, now I understand that as to respond authentically as I am in this moment. And that's all I can do is just, and I try and respond instead of react. Uh, they wanted to put me ahead in school. Uh, my dad said no, he wanted me to have peers my own age. Okay. Um, but being a highly intelligent and hyper aware little girl, uh, anxiety, I, was, I remember being very anxious. Um, when I was about 13 that was the first time i remember really wanting to die looking wow, back it was so probably young. because i was felt so powerless it's part of the reason i was so crazy about superheroes because to me they symbolize people with power mm-hmm. female superheroes i mean my role models were charlie's angels and wonder woman remember this is new zealand we only had two channels and You know, no um, VHS was a very big deal when that came out. I remember when we went to color television. Yeah. So we had very limited viewing. So, Fantasy Island, Magic, Superheroes, to me, these were people that had agency, they had power because I didn't see it in my life at all. I had no examples of, of that so that's probably why i was so into my comics it was also escapism i could always be found with my head in a book i never was fond of reality i always liked fantasy and magic uh, and i clung to that for a very long time at 13 i remember sitting in a tree and just wanting to die simply because i didn't want to be there and i had no other choices it felt like that was the only option i had as a child you don't have a lot of agency and I was brought up in a way where, in order for my family to function, there was a great deal of control. Um, and one of, there was also a great deal of screaming and yelling, and you never knew when it was going to happen, and you never knew what would trigger it, and you never knew what would cause it. So it was kind of like being on a minefield because behavior one day would be approved of, and behavior, the same behavior the next day wouldn't be. Mm -hmm. So it was constantly tiptoeing around and checking, Um, there was no emotional stability, there was no external emotional compass, my internal compass was broken because I was told that what I believed and felt was wrong. So uh, what also happened, there's that useful word so, was looking back on it, my first psychiatrist said that that's probably when my bipolar was triggered
0: when you were 13 and you're massively yeah, she, hormonal and you're suicidal.
1: And, and stressful. Um, she yeah, said that yeah. had I been brought up in a different environment, this is no no reflection on my environment. My I have siblings who had completely different experiences. Another child in that family, another child would have had a completely different experience. Uh, my, I can only see through my eyes. Yeah. Um, and I remember going with another family member to a therapy session and that person saying no no that's not how it happened at all and the therapist saying what you have to understand is that that's how she interpreted it that's her truth and and to be honest my truth was pretty onto it so I was undiagnosed bipolar, which made being a teenager pretty challenging. Again, I was highly smart, highly intelligent. So I was only what you call advanced placement classes. I wrote the school musical in three weeks, um, which was produced. Um, I was always creative. I was always writing. I was writing since I was a little girl, but there was no role models for that. There was no mentors. I didn't see that happening in real life. I didn't click, that the people who wrote those TV shows were writers that that was something I could do I didn't click that I could write books there was no because I was I I don't think I had the ability to put things into context and I couldn't see anybody I just knew I loved to write and I mainly loved to write fiction because that was my happy place Uh, so school was incredibly erratic I'd get incredibly high marks in some subjects and incredibly low marks in others because I would try anything and uh I was never any good at being consistent. I just couldn't be consistent. And depression, obviously, trying to keep one step ahead of depression. Uh it's probably also around it's part of the reason I think I kept getting told I was over the top and over emotional. But you try being a bipolar teenager who's undiagnosed. Since yeah. I didn't get diagnosed until I was 35, and it was such a huge relief. It explained so much. I'd had really bad depression, and apparently that's common in women, and common in the mild version, whatever the mild version is. I think it's two. Um, I have the mild version of bipolar, um, but apparently that's very common in women. We tend to go down more than up. Um, I was never like some of my friends who had extreme mania. Uh, I mean I never thought I could fly or commune with aliens Um, but I did have grandiosity at times which there was talents and abilities to back a lot of that up but I had absolutely no structure yeah whatsoever so fast forward to try and deal with my chaotic emotions and feelings i changed jobs i changed hair colors i changed countries i changed relationships i kept thinking i could you know what they say no matter where you go you take your baggage with you
0: yeah And unfortunately yeah
1: and i just kept i had hope i never gave up on hope and i thought if i could just find the right combination it would all fall into place i self-medicated i made a lot of disastrous choices i put myself in very dangerous situations I had very distorted thinking around money and sex I had I was slut shamed Um, I was I did not have the ability to say no it's not that I never said no and that was overridden it was that I did not feel I had the right to say no and I also had some very bizarre thoughts around uh, about sexuality I had internalized some religious Messaging, mm-hmm. and again, this is my interpretation. I, act I'm a hundred percent believe in a higher power. I a hundred percent believe in the great mystery and the divine, completely mm-hmm. and utterly. And I have good memories of the religion that I was exposed to, but I internalized messages that made me into a te- that meant I was a terrible, terrible person, which was part of the reason that in 1990, I, I know I'd always flirted with the idea as a backup, you know. It was always the last resort but in 1990 i went down to a doctor explained that i desperately wanted to hurt myself and i was hospitalized and this is in england i was in london at the time and the only reason i didn't hold on one moment please caller the heater needs to go down commercial break (laughs) the only Um, reason sorry mm
0: no go go the only, I was gonna reason, say, the only reason
1: I didn't the only reason I didn't and this is what got me to a doctor was my sister my sister is my favorite person in the world she's my touchstone she's my lodestone um, she is I mean I'm, I'm gonna start crying if I think about her not putting responsibility on you sister you're not responsible in any way for me whatsoever but she's my person uh, much and i adore my husband completely and utterly adore my husband he's got my back we are a team mm-hmm. we are we are so good together and that's another story but my sister she was only 14 at the time and i thought i can't do this to her uh, i yeah. other people had suicided i knew of other suicides and i knew what happened to the people left behind and she i she had her own stuff to deal with and i thought i am not doing this to her and what really scared me was the point when i thought she'd be better off without me and i thought oh boy you need to get your ass and get some help now so um, i was hospitalized in a wonderful hospital and the got some great help and went back to new zealand and got some better help and had a therapist for the first time and had several more years of chaos and then around 23 years ago I found peer facilitated recovery groups of which I won't say the names okay because they're anonymous for a reason right <laughs> but um, I've been, I haven't had
0: any 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 alcohol or anything like that for 23 years wow that is so congratulations that is really really outstanding
1: uh, it it's not because um i didn't i i said i do it to save my i did it to save my life yeah well it wasn't me and it wasn't me that did it it was something bigger than me that did it but but i hope it can if i can do it anybody can right
0: i mean i yes because anybody can but also what a great um example you are to people who are on the other side of that or just starting or you know, new into it. And good for you at like 23 years old for recognizing the aftermath of suicide. I don't think, my stepmom committed suicide and I found my neighbor after he'd shot himself in the head. So I'm very familiar with suicide, right? But it's very selfish. And I have a hard time saying that because I've lost people very close to me. But because if you have any idea, the aftermath of the, what you leave behind, you would never want to put other people through it. And I understand um, suicidal thoughts and feeling like there is no other way out. Mm-hmm. But you at 23 took a moment, a breath to say, I don't want to leave the aftermath for everyone else. My and, sister. Yeah. The thing is, um, just,
1: the person, sorry, I'm
0: over-talking. It's, it's but- incredible.
1: Thank you. And, you know, I never thought of it like that, but in my mind, and I have only my perception, um, I believe that some people who are suicide held on as long as they could. Yeah. Right. They they did what they could. They absolutely did what they could. Um, But I believe that if I was dead, I'd be fine. Totally and utterly fine. I don't believe in an afterlife. I don't have any, you know, I have no issues around dropping dead whatsoever. I know I'd be fine, but the people around me, Yep. Wow. that it's why I am a bit of a minimalist. It's why I keep my affairs in all order, order. It's why I have things ready. I'm not a fatalist, but right. make it easy on the people
0: left behind. Uh, I'm very huge about that. I also think there's a c- control element somewhere in there. I know there is for me, there's so little in the world I can control, but I can have a will and have a trust set up and I can do that much at some point we're all going to die so it's not even being a fatalist there's no fear in that for me either but i want to know that when it's my time to go i've done i've set things up for the people i've left behind to make that part of it as easy as i can so that they can focus on the fact that there will be grief involved and sadness and they can just focus on that so yeah for me i just think it's so easy to control how, how we leave things, even if we can't when or or why or, you know, any of that. So, and the thing is, when I was 23, I thought I would
1: hit a bottom and I hadn't, Mm. I met somebody in the hospital who had a Very similar story to mine, especially around the shame, because I felt like I was a terrible human being. I was convinced I was a terrible human being. I was convinced I didn't deserve to live. I would had so much shame over choices I'd made. And she had the same story. And for the first time, this is before peer recovery, before any kind of therapy, I saw this beautiful, beautiful woman, this young girl who didn't deserve to die. And that was like looking in a mirror. And that was that I will always remember as the first, the first sign of healing. It that wasn't my bottom, I hadn't been diagnosed as bipolar, the depressions were extreme, there was still a lot of chaos to go through until I uh, became clean and sober at 31. And again, I didn't get diagnosed till 35. So there was a lot of chaos, I feel that it took until my 40s, before my life started to stabilize. And I when I meet young people now or younger people or anybody younger than me, I meet beautiful young people. Um, I've got several semi nieces, you know, there's a lot of young people in my life, especially women. And if I spot the signs, I say get get diagnosed now, save yourself decades, find out now, seek help now.
0: And when you were hospitalized, that wasn't something that came up in that process like a, a diagnosis of depression or bipolar?
1: Uh, the dipo- they, they didn't click as to the bipolar. They, it, nobody clicked as to the bipolar until I was 35. Um, okay. And I'm also really grateful because they gave me an IQ test around then. And I still,
0: mm.
1: I still was okay uh, because I abused my body and my mind and everything in so many ways. Um, that's apropos of nothing, but I was just, quite relieved uh, but uh, what was the question you actually asked me I'm so, diagnosing yeah oh yeah so when I went into the hospital when I, in 1990 I voluntarily checked myself in I said right, to right, the right. Lo- I went to a local GP I said this is what I'm feeling I don't want to do anything that I will regret they put me into a hospital so that I could have respite I mean it was somebody looking after me um a lot of the people there thought i was one of the staff because compared to the other people there i was so together but i am very very good at um functioning i'm a very high i function at a very high
0: level no matter what's going on which is not always a good thing no definitely not but it was good so that was a great still experience and interruption in your process it didn't stop the shame and the depression at that point but it was a good interruption for the suicide
1: and it got me to uh i mean i did not attempt suicide i want to make that clear right but but i was afraid of my own thinking so that's Uh, what i was very very afraid of what i was thinking and i wanted to get and i was and i knew i've always had this feeling of hope hope has always kept me going hope that there was an answer hope that there was a solution Mm -hmm. even when it was so excruciating i wanted to curl up in a corner and just rock backwards and forwards i remember being so terrified Of letting go like letting a tiny chink in my armor go because it would be like that hole in the dam and i would just get flooded like a tsunami and i'd never be able to put myself together again but i I did i'm here and my life now is amazing
0: i want to discuss the when you finally were diagnosed because by this time you've had like like no alcohol for 23 years or no. No,
1: no, no. At, I got diagnosed at 35, so I got clean and sober around 31. Okay. So when I, and then I stayed in, after I was two years clean and sober, I, I was in Tokyo, I got clean and sober in Tokyo, by the way. Um, <laughs> Side note. Okay. I sober. Sorry, sober. We just call it clean and sober, but it's right. sober. I mean, right. it's called clean and sober because you just don't take anything without, that's not um, prescribed by a doctor. Correct, so, correct. So I'll say sobriety, but to me sobriety covers Anything, anything right anything right so okay I, I, you know so i'll call it so, so sobriety um i also believe in solvency which is because uh, if you have issues with uh alcohol you'll likely have issues with other substances if you have issues with that you'll likely have issues with sex if you have issues with that you you may um it may show up in gambling it may show up in money it'll show up in relationships because it's all destructive behavior designed to, yeah, it, it's you can be across many platforms. It's um, yeah. It doesn't discriminate. No, isn't that great. So at 31, I got sober. And then after two years of sobriety, I moved back to New Zealand, which was too soon. But a relationship had ended, and I decided it was time to go home. In my mind, I thought I'd better go home at 33, because otherwise I'll be too old to start a career. <laughs> I started my business at forty-eight, by the way. Right. And then, but the depression didn't go away, and I knew I wasn't taking anything other than, you know, I was eating healthily, I was exercising, right. I was doing all the right, the right things, and the depression still, as Winston Churchill calls it, was my black dog. So, uh a GP diagnosed with depression, but it didn't cut it, and then finally, I was diagnosed as bipolar, and. Okay. That's when things started making sense. I will let you know, though, it wasn't a quick fix. I had to play what I call chemistry set for multiple years, which is when you, because doctors only know what you tell them. And I had white knuckled it for so long that I was not in the habit of asking for help. You have to, if I'd given, you have to give constant feedback and keep trying different medications, keep letting them know about symptoms, keep trying something else. Not every medication works. Not every combination works. You will have mm-hmm. side effects. They take a while to kick in. Not everything is right for you. Persevere. Okay. I've had friends that have got know people that have gone off medication because they felt it wasn't working. Right. Please keep trying to find the right. And I've had and I've had people in sobriety tell me that I shouldn't need medication. So, it's a chemistry set. It's oh, you know, I can't even imagine. The combination I'm on right now seems
0: to be working really well. Okay. And it just, it takes, I have a son who's autistic. And when we, when we explored medication possibilities, so in any situation, I think across the board, once you're open up the idea of medication, it's always a chemistry.
1: It's so, it's so much trial and error and yeah, I'm actually easier because I don't drink. Oh, right and i and i do eat healthy and i'm a i keep my weight at a healthy level i exercise i walk in nature i have a, a spiritual practice i have friends i have a community i have a stable relationship and i still every single day have to be mindful it's it's a mm-hmm. uh, sobriety bipolar i mean it doesn't go away it's, it's not something you can just you can't just stop it's never it's never it's never finished
0: all right it's an ongoing and that's why i know in this podcast i'm like what are the things that help you get through or still getting through because people who have anxiety don't necessarily get rid of their anxiety but they have ways that they can manage it i want to jump in and talk about those things the things over time those moments the people the places the things that you did that made a significant difference uh you've talked a couple times about diet exercise being outside spiritual practices having peer support um what else can you add to that because you didn't like you said you didn't get diagnosed till 34 and your first thoughts of suicide were 13. so that's a 20 year period of time before you were getting clean and wasn't fun it wasn't fun. no so who what when were how how were you getting through that at the time in the ways that were positive what were the positive moments well self-medicating springs to mind <laughs> okay that was that
1: was when i hit bottom was that um when you are really 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 drunk and you still are in excruciating pain mm. basically when when the cure stops working that's one of the great things about hitting bottom is when you want to want to stop and when you hit the bottom that the cure isn't working. It stops working. So I was very, very lucky. Um, I know many people who are still not sober yeah. and they'll probably, they'll they'll die, they, they'll die not sober. Um, anyways, to be specific, helpful, positive messaging. I never gave up. Hope. Yeah. Hope was the one thing that kept me going was hope and aspirational. Um so find people who've got what you want and ask them how they did it. In peer recovery, you find somebody who's further ahead than you are right. and who has what right. you want, they have a life that you want, you ask yeah. them how they did it, and you do what they did. So, for example, I have a trainer, a physical trainer, I want what she's got. I ask her how she did it, she teaches me, I do what she tells me to do, I have a better chance of getting what, what, what she has. Uh, same with healthy eating, same with, find somebody who's got what you want, ask them how. And also find people who love you unconditionally. Mm. Um, I have very few people that I feel I could be 100% myself with and not scare them off not have them reject me not have them run away screaming um i've got a i've got lots of amazing friends lots of acquaintances i love my clients i accept my when i'm with my clients it's about them and so it should be but there's a handful of people that i know i can't scare off if that makes Mm, sense by being 100 honest because i have stories that would make your hair curl
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, you can share any hair curling stories you want. I will, but but
1: not on on camera. Yeah, right. Right.
0: (laughs) So um, I love that. And then you got, I know you moved to the U.S. at 46. 31 you were sober, 35 you, you ha- were back in New Zealand, you were diagnosed, and you were playing the medicine game. Trying I forgot
1: to- about seven years on and off in Tokyo, a year in London, traveling backwards and forwards from the States, but I, you're right, I officially moved here in 2014.
0: Right, so uh, take us through from 31 to 35-ish, when you got clean and got diagnosed, to actually coming to the States what did that start to look like and how did things change for you? Because you're like a gypsy. You've been all over the world several times.
1: And 35 jobs, including an HMV, an HMV DJ in Tokyo, which was a huge amount of fun, organizing techno parties, real estate agent, customs agent, animal welfare, uh, copywriter, uh, television production, actor, theater, um, promotions promotions event management uh stylist so much fun my yeah. um my sister her husband said to her is there a job erin hasn't had it's like no not really
0: i mean really like you could make suits for men or i would try to think of something like off the wall that no, thank you. No, 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 no. <laughs>
1: women-centric, it's always been women-centric. So, sorry, we've only got a few minutes, but you asked 31 to America. Yeah, yeah. So, got clean and sober, came back to New Zealand, several disastrous relationships, mm-hmm, diagnosed at 35, still a lot of chaos, but I met a beautiful human being around the age of 35 who I was with for 10 years. He was like a giant, he was so, he's an amazing guy. We're still really good friends. Um, beautiful beautiful man 14 years younger than me that gave me stability that i'd never had before i was still chaotic i still went up and down like a yo-yo still had a lot of things to deal with it wasn't the healthiest of relationships but a beautiful human being very very grateful that relationship naturally came to an end Um, and around as that was ending an old friend who i knew and trusted and who i'd been who had met when i was 18 and who had been the sweetest kindest most lovely 23 year old tech nerd that you could ever imagine and this is pre bill gates when being a nerd was not cool
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: before elon musk before paul allen and you know um our apple founder whose name's gone out of my head oh, okay. um thank you before all of that so being a, a, a skinny tech nerd was not a big thing and i was i was in such a self-destructive mode we'd stayed friends And I threw him his goodbye party when he went to America at 25 to work for IBM, in Microsoft,
0: and now he's somewhere
1: else. And he, um, we became friends again when this relationship ended. And it turned out he was divorced, and he was coming to the end of, uh, you know, there was he was a couple of years into that divorce and was getting to a stage where he was ready to uh, be with somebody again. And he basically said you've always been my dream girl do you think it's the time for us and i was in a place where i was i was able to say yes and not sabotage myself and walk forward towards what i knew would be the best relationship of my life and we were engaged within six months i mean we had 30 years of trust 30 years right. he knows my family i knew his family we grew up in the same i've dated i've been, i've had relationships with people all over the world i've had that privilege but having somebody who has the same cultural background as as mm-hmm. you is very useful we know the same tv shows we we know how pro kill new zealanders we grew up on the north shore together we there's a couple years separating us but we just you know we we can he can make a reference and i'll get it right uh, And and he's a New Zealander too, so it's just we're a team. It's just so easy. It took a while. I mean, he had things that he needed to work through. I had things I need to work through, but we just get better and better and better. And
0: that was seven years ago
1: uh we got married we mucked around getting married because there was so much going on his family visited my family visited his family visited again my family visited again there was you know there was going backwards and forwards from new zealand there was a lot going on um so 2014 we got married 2015 it's now 2020. yeah you're Mm -hmm. right we're coming up on seven years
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah i like, like
0: this i like the timeline how crazy that that's the person that you married, that you grew up with. Isn't that and my fantastic? First marriage.
1: My first marriage. I've never, I didn't get married for the first time till 30, 48.
0: Right, and never had kids. That was never an issue for you?
1: I didn't want kids until I was forty because with being bipolar and having such a chaotic background, I had no faith that I would be a good mother whatsoever. Good and for I was you. not, I was not going to do that to a child. It just wasn't. At 40, I'd been in a stable relationship for five years with a wonderful person. It seemed like that could be something where we could create a safe home for a child. And I found out I couldn't have kids. Oh. And that there was some grief around that and i'm so grateful it didn't happen like i said i have so many young people in my life that i love and i'm available for them and my sister has been unbelievably generous she had a baby around that time and he's mine he's (laughs) totally and utterly mine i mean he he's known me every moment of his life he takes talking with me like this for granted you know he's used to he he's he's digital native so whether i'm in person or i'm not in person it makes no difference to him whatsoever and he's coming up on 10 and he's mine just as much as he's hers
0: i love that uh, not that not that that's something that's necessary i just wondered what the process was behind you well not that, that's having what happened it. and i'm yeah. glad
1: it worked out that way or i wouldn't have been able to move to america as easily right um, yeah i would be able to be with with my husband now we have an amazing life i was able to start a business at 48 it worked out the way it should have done i've got two goddaughters. i've got nieces i've got nephews i have you know wonderful wonderful young people in my
0: life yeah and you have two stepdaughters too correct
1: i have the privilege of that yes i don't think they'd want to be called that because they're in their 30s but they are um nigel's daughters they welcomed me with open arms they have been nothing but supportive of the relationship they're beautiful intelligent talented creative smart amazing women who had you know who also went through some some challenges and they've come out of it as amazing human beings
0: now you moved here and you're married and things came full circle you're healthy you're sober you have played the chemistry game all of that's pretty dialed in at what point did you look up and think i want to i want to connect it back to the happy wardrobe um, and your business, at what point did you realize where was your aha moment and all of that? Because that was only a couple of years later. Yeah,
1: it was uh, 2000, two thousand beginning of 2015 because we got married end of 2015 and then we back to New Zealand because of course it's opposite seasons. And it was those three days in Hawaii when, when it was raining before the sun came out. And I suddenly clicked that having 20 at that time was only about 20 years or 19 years of 10,000 hours of facilitating mentoring being taught sharing looking for themes looking for patterns um guiding growing trans helping people transform being transformed through a series of a process Mm-hmm. There's a process you go through, plus my love of fashion, plus all my experiences. Remember, I told you I was a realtor. Yeah. Well, I'd go into people's homes and know their story. I'd, right. I'd know, I'd know their story straight away, and I thought, and I thought back to that, and I thought, what if you could, what if I combined, combined people's beloved possessions which they take for granted they see every day they they don't even realize they've accumulated because nothing comes into your home that you haven't brought in but you're not always aware and if I combine Mm -hmm. that with plus I know a lot about um, uh, distorted thinking around money so I help my clients create spending plans as opposed to budgets. There's often depri- some of my clients have deprivation. There was compulsive spending. There was spending. You know, I often say to my clients, "What are you really buying?" So combining the self-development with the realtor, being a realtor, with my love of fashion, with all, every single, nothing's ever wasted. Everything added up, and mm-hmm. I bring I bring all of that to the happy
0: wardrobe. I- love that oh my gosh so great so you started the happy wardrobe and that was um basically a marriage of all of your experience which so many of us end up doing i mean i i did the same thing with my business i i thought it's not about what jobs i've had but what skills did i learn and then mm -hmm. yeah when you look at that you think oh i just created this whole job for myself based on my skills has nothing to do with your training or your job or your degrees necessarily. So I love that. So many women and tell me how that evolved, the happy wardrobe. And then I want to, um, finish off with success stories and how you found your own style too, through all of this. Um, um yeah. So
1: how it started was I'd often helped people create their ideal life vision. I'm all about visions, So I'd often help people find the themes and the patterns to identify their ideal business, their ideal life. So it wasn't far removed to find their ideal wardrobe. And there was a young friend of mine who was buried, literally, by mm-hmm. a wardrobe full of clothes that her mother had given her, that had dumped on her, because her mother's life had changed. She'd gone into a retirement home and she dumped all of her clothing on her daughter. And her daughter was drowning. And her daughter was sensitive and shy and an introvert. and um also bipolar actually and she was buried her, her, mm-hmm. her she was buried so i sat down with her and we looked at things that she really genuinely loved because she couldn't face looking at her wardrobe there was nothing of her in her wardrobe we created her style statement and then we decluttered and we we took out three quarters of that wardrobe disappeared we took we literally removed her mother um from her home except in beautiful mementos and happy Mm -hmm. memories but we and with that space we could we could find the items that really represented her and overnight she went from dressing in multiple layers clutching very very large bags because that made her feel safe to wearing what she loved last time i saw her she was wearing a much more body conscious outfit because she's tiny she was absolutely tiny but she looked like a bag lady and she just had a a small bag she didn't feel the need to have all that uh layers between her and the world so but it was a, a good year and a half later before i sat up in hawaii and went i could replicate that i could replicate that Mm -hmm. and then i started studying exactly how i created a wardrobe and broke that down into modules, step by step which is how i take people through the actual process to create a wardrobe because it's a learned skill you're not just you just don't wake up one morning and go this goes with that and that's why but you can learn easy peasy and i can teach you in a few days what would take you years to learn
0: right right i love it so what's the easiest place for people to find you i stalk you everywhere and we'll have all of the links in the show notes and uh yeah I
1: what should guess, what? i guess if you just remember the happy wardrobe because i'm pretty easy yeah. to find or erin keem i'm pretty easy to find on social media uh, thanks to some talented behind the scenes work by assistance uh, yeah. but the happy wardrobe you'll find me or just my name and i do 30-minute discovery calls if you want to transform your style yeah uh that's you know i do want somebody who is ready to transform their style i'm happy to meet them to see if we connect uh, Mm -hmm. because uh and see if they feel i'm the right person but if you
0: think you're ready to do that please reach out and you're going to be blown away just let me let you know that right now thank you so much Erin for coming on and sharing your story uh this is the rawest and the realest I have
1: been in a podcast interview ever Jen so that speaks to how much I trust you
0: thank you Thank you for joining today. It's been a pleasure. You can find me at momof18.com and on social media platforms as momof18. A huge thank you to NGBN TV for sponsoring this podcast episode.